everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on the week that was with respect to market activity and macro developments, the kickoff to the annual Jackson Hole Symposium and FedSpeak, plus a look at what we can expect in the week ahead. Joining me here for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Matt Tormey, Associate Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, uh, Matt, welcome back. Great to be with you as always and looking forward to our conversation. Hey, good morning, Dan, and thanks for having me. So, Matt, as a starting point, maybe we can reflect back on this week's market activity. So, coming off what was a challenging week prior for equity investors, U.S. equities have rebounded nicely over the past few sessions if you back out Thursday's session. So, Matt, what in your view were the drivers behind this week's momentum and risk assets? Definitely. So, yeah, as you mentioned, Dan, U.S. equities did have a nice rebound up until yesterday as the S&P 500 index did close 60 basis points lower after trading higher in its previous five sessions. And a lot of this week's action was primarily driven by the macro and some of the buy the dip mentality as we do head into the dog days of summer. And with earnings season essentially wrapped up, except for a few consumer names that did report this week, there wasn't a whole lot of fundamental news. So to kick off the week, we did receive positive news that Pfizer and BioNTech's vaccine was granted full approval by the FDA. And this news, along with signs that the Delta variant may be peaking in some U.S. states, sent equities higher with small caps leading the way. So on Tuesday night, the House did pass a fiscal year 2022 budget resolution, which does pave the way for the development and passage of a large package of spending and tax initiatives as part of a budget reconciliation bill. And this positive development that more stimulus may actually be on the way soon did send equities higher again on both Tuesday and Wednesday. And just yesterday, a lot of attention did start to shift towards what ca- what may come out of Jackson Hole today, as we heard from a number of the non-voting Fed speakers who did suggest that the Fed should get going with tapering over the next few months. So these statements, combined with the number of developments coming out of the situation in Afghanistan this week, could have been two reasons why the market decided to take a breather yesterday. Okay, well, Matt, that was very helpful. Thank you for recapping the factors that drove this week's market activity, everything from policy to geopolitics. Matt, a few moments ago, you did mention Jackson Hole. So uh, today we will actually be hearing at 10 a.m. Eastern from Fed Chair Jerome Powell, highly anticipated event to kick off the annual Jackson Hole Symposium. Uh, What will you be looking out for in Fed Chair Jerome Powell's remarks, Matt? Yes. So in less than an hour, Fed Chair Powell is set to give a speech on the economic outlook at the Jackson Hole Symposium, which is taking place virtually again this year. And we aren't expecting any major shifts in policy coming out of this event, and we don't believe the Fed will use this opportunity to take another step towards tapering asset purchases. In fact, it is still our view that the Fed will wait to announce the taper until case counts do fall back to levels that were seen during the July FOMC meeting. And our base case right now is that the Fed announces the taper at the December meeting, and tapering actually starts in January. But before this process can actually get going, we believe the Fed's going to have to um, tell us how they plan on conducting the taper. So now specifically as it relates to potential comments from the Fed chairman, he'll have to take into consideration really a few important developments since the last FOMC meeting. So the July jobs report was strong, 
and showed that 943,000 jobs were added to the economy, which leaves us about 5.7 million jobs below the pre-pandemic level. The latest CPI inflation reading showed some moderation as both the headline and core numbers experienced their smallest month-over-month increases since February. And the COVID-19 situation is in a worse place than it was in July when the last FOMC meeting took place because of the Delta variant. So the Fed chair will have to take all this into account as he prepares his comments. And the fact that the symposium was changed to a virtual format late last week could further support our view that policy should remain accommodated. Thank you for some clarity there on the potential taper timeline. You mentioned some economic data points that are being factored into the Fed's decision making. If we reflect back on the past few days, including today, it has been a pretty busy week on the macro data calendar. So can you recap, Matt, for us some of the more notable releases? Certainly, Dan. So yeah, it was a pretty busy week on the economic calendar. So let's dive right into it. On Monday, Market PMIs for the manufacturing and services indices both surprised to the downside in August. And these surprises were primarily driven by issues on the supply side, really, as supplier delivery times continue to increase. Availability of labor rather than demand for labor is still weak and backlogs are lengthening. Existing home sales rose in July after consensus was calling for a decline. Moving on to Tuesday, The final July reading for building permits showed a decline relative to the prior month, while new home sales increased above expectations. We also received the latest Richmond Fed Manufacturing Index reading, which came in much lower than consensus and actually declined by nearly 18 points. And the overall composition of the report was weak as new orders, shipments, and employment components all decreased. Turning to Wednesday, Durable goods orders for July fell modestly, which was essentially in line with expectations. On Thursday, both initial and continuing jobless claims came in slightly above consensus estimates. The August reading for the Kansas City Fed Manufacturing Index declined by a point, but it did still remain at healthy levels as manufacturing activity continued at a strong pace. And we also got the second estimate for second quarter GDP, which was revised up by less than expectations and showed the U.S. economy grew at a 6.6% quarterly annualized rate. And finally, looking at what's on tap for today. So just this morning, the personal consumption expenditures price gauge, which the Fed does use for its inflation target, came in around expectations um, and showed a 40 basis point increase month over month. Also this morning, personal spending showed some moderation in July, while personal income surprised to the upside thanks to the distribution of child tax credit payments and more compensation. And finally, later today, we'll receive the final August reading for the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index, which, if you remember from two weeks ago, the preliminary reading came in at its lowest level since 2011 on the heels of a sharp decline in expectations, but Fortunately, consensus is expecting a slight uptick from this number. Thank you, Matt, for the recap. That personal spending data point we received roughly 45 minutes ago was indeed eye-opening. Now, if we turn to next week, I know we are in late August here, trading volumes traditionally on the wider side. However, it sounds like the data calendar will continue into next week. We do have some notable data points on the horizon. So what can you preview for us, Matt? Yeah, exactly. So next week might be a little quieter for markets heading into Labor Day weekend, but there's still plenty of data coming in on the economic side. So next Monday, we'll receive an update on pending home sales for July 
and the August reading for the Dallas Fed Manufacturing Index. On Tuesday, the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence reading for August will be published. On Wednesday, we'll get the August reading for the ISM Manufacturing Index, an update on construction spending for July, and the August ADP Employment Survey. Turning to next Thursday, uh, the latest update on initial and continuing jobless claims. And to wrap up on Friday, we'll receive the August jobs report. And it does look like right now that consensus is expecting to see about 780,000 jobs added to the economy and for the unemployment rate to decline to 5.2% from 5.4% currently. And lastly, we'll also receive the August reading for the ISM non-manufacturing index. And it looks like expectations are looking for a decline in the index, but it would still remain at a high level in expansionary territory. Okay, well, there's a lot there that we can follow up with our listeners on next week, including any takeaways from the Jackson Hole Symposium. Though, Matt, great catching up with you, as always. Very productive conversation. Thank you for covering all of the ground that you did with us, and we'll look forward to continuing the conversation again soon. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan, and yeah, have a good weekend, everyone. Thanks, Matt. And again, today we've been joined by Matt Tormey, Associate Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 